So we're going to turn to the Word of God, and we're turning to Mark's Gospel, and to chapter 6, Mark's Gospel, and chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, going to read a couple of verses from verse 7 down to verse 12, and then move to verse 30, from verse 7 then, and he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no scrip, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals, and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place soever ye enter into a house, there abide, till ye depart from that place." And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when ye depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet, for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils, and anointed with oil many that were sick, and healed them. Verse 30. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing. And many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and out went them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert, desert place, and now the time is far past Send them away, that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred pennyworth of bread and give them to eat? He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and brake the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fishes. And they that did eat the loaves were about 5,000 men. Amen. And we thank the Lord for this reading once again of his word. Let's ask the Lord's help as we consider it together. Now, Father, as we come to thy word, we are mindful of the very fact that thou art the author of it. It's a wonderful thing to be able to speak with the author of that which is written, and especially when it is something which is beyond the understanding of men. Lord, that we might come and ask thee for guidance, that we might come and ask thee to open our eyes and open our understanding, that as we consider these things, thou would speak to us and that thou would encourage us in the way that we go. Lord, bless your word to us this day, we pray thee. 
and help us to take it in, help us to lay it up as treasure within our hearts. And Lord, we pray that in all things thou wouldst receive the thanks, the glory, the praise and the faith which is due unto thee because thou art mighty to save. Hear us then, we ask, continue with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's a well-known part of the scripture, this, and perhaps uh, particularly well-known because it is the only one of the miracles uh, which is in all four of the Gospels, apart from the resurrection, of course, uh, which is all, in all four of the Gospels, and the healing of blind men, which uh, perhaps is the, in Jericho, which is perhaps not quite the same in all of the Gospels because uh, on one occasion it is on the way into Jericho and the other is on the way out of Jericho. And uh, in my opinion, uh, certainly uh, these are two different miracles, one on the way in, one on the way out. Uh, But this one is in all four of the Gospels. And so it is something which certainly should take our attention, that we should think upon it. And there are different details which are given to us if we compare those Gospels, uh, that we might have a, a greater understanding of the things that went on at that time. And so here we want to consider these things together. I'm going to look at them under three headings as we uh, so often do, usually do, in actual fact. And uh, those headings are these. First of all, the disciples' statistics. Secondly, the Savior's logistics. And finally, the child's altruistics. So they worked very well for me. Uh, We're going to consider them under those headings. So first of all, the disciples' statistics. Of course, When we think of this great miracle of the Lord Jesus feeding 5,000 men beside the women and children, we read, uh, that he should do so with five loaves and two fishes, that is an amazing statement in itself, uh, something which would cause us to wonder that this could ever possibly be done. But it wasn't the first time, was it? We remember in the days of Elijah when he went to the widow Zarephath how that there was a, a barrel of meal uh, and there was a cruise of oil and it lasted them for those uh, the, the two and a half or three years uh, while he was there. Uh, what an amazing thing that was. It wasn't something which God had never done before uh, that the Lord Jesus was able to do here, that he was able to feed all of these. And we often find, I think, in the life of the, of the Lord Jesus that the signs which he showed to the people were the signs of the prophets. They were signs of things that had been, happened before. We find that Elijah, for instance, raised one person from the dead. Elisha uh, raised two people from the dead, albeit one of them when he himself was dead and someone cast a, a corpse in on top of his grave and it revived and came back to life. And the Lord Jesus, of course, is recorded as having raised three people from the dead, not including, of course, himself, but uh, three others which he raised from the dead. So very often these things are repeated, uh, and they were repeated, as we have used the the, uh, word before, as signs. The word miracles uh, sometimes is the word signs in the Greek, and they were there that the people might know that Jesus Christ was sent from God. Even as Nicodemus said to him that night when he came to him, that no man can do these signs which thou doest, except God be with him. So here we have this gathering of people. The Lord Jesus has told his disciples that they should come apart and rest a while. And we read here in Mark's gospel, it was because they had no opportunity, no leisure, so much as to eat. And uh, they uh, went apart then into a desert place, a a deserted place, 
We think of a desert as being uh, fields and fields of sand and nothing for miles uh, at all. But a desert place really is a place which is deserted. It is a place that where there is nobody. It's a place which is uh, open, uh, barren land, or uh, land certainly which has been left and has not been worked upon. Uh, it's a place which is empty. And so they go to this place, and the people see them, and they follow them. And they ran afoot out of all the cities, which is a, an amazing thing, I think. Uh, we have looked recently at, at what I mentioned in prayer, how the Lord Jesus told that parable of the, uh, of the casting of the seed, the parable of the sower. And we saw how that after that, immediately in Mark's gospel, we find those four different situations which seem to tally with the parable. And yet Jesus brings something out of all of those situations, uh, which is amazing, uh, which is miraculous. And we thank God that he is able to do what we cannot do. And here again, we see that God does that which we cannot do. And we look then at how the disciples thought of this to begin with. So the disciples come to him, verse 35, and said, this is a desert place. Now the time or the hour is far past and send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. Now, of course, this is the first thing that we would say. Here we have an overwhelming problem. Uh, They have 5,000 men. And we read in Matthew's gospel, Matthew's account here, that they they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. And so uh, he he, uh, adds that detail that this wasn't just 5,000 men. This was 5,000 men and women and children. So we we might easily have 10,000 here uh, which are gathered together who are listening. And they are listening to the words which the Lord Jesus preaches to them. It's an amazing thing. They have come out, haven't they? We, we, we read in Hebrews 13, come out from among them, be ye separate. Uh, we are to go unto him outside the camp. And we see how the Lord Jesus earlier on in this very chapter uh, went to the, his own country and he, and he preached there and they didn't believe And we read there in verse 5, he could there do no mighty works, save that he had his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. He spoke in another place of Bethsaida and Chorazin, uh, that they would not believe what he was preaching. But here he is in a desert place, and there are people coming out of all the cities to hear him. They come out from those situations Uh, And sometimes that is what is necessary. I think that uh, we should recognize that sometimes the Lord lays people aside so that they are separated from the world in some way, so that they might begin to think. What the devil likes to do is to fill our minds with as much stuff as he possibly can, so there's no room for Christ, so there's no room for thinking, so that there is no time alone. There is no time to sit and to think about your life, to think about uh, the future, to think about death, to think about what follows after death. There is no time to think. There is always talking or there is always uh, something which we are watching or hearing and it's, it's just constant upon our minds. It's very important, child of God, that we take time aside. Turn the TV off, pick up the word of God, read and then spend time in prayer before the Lord or meditation upon those things which we read and consider them carefully. I I find it a great 
privilege to be able to preach because it gives me that opportunity of not just reading the scripture but thinking about it and seeking to understand something which is beyond just that which is on the surface which is superficial so they have this overwhelming problem 5,000 men plus women and children and obviously the the statistics uh, to them is they need to go away and to eat Uh, they, they need to go into the villages they need to go to their homes perhaps they have come out of their homes to listen to the Lord Jesus and now the time has gone and they need to be going home so that they can get their, their suppers at home. But Jesus says to them, give ye them to eat. Give ye them to eat. Verse 37. And they say unto him, shall we go and buy 200 pennyworth of bread and give them to eat? 200 pennyworth of bread. Uh, I calculated this from uh, January the 1st to July the 19th uh, of, of wages. Uh, the Lord Jesus uh, made this uh, uh, statement in, his, in one of his parables when he said when he had agreed with the labors for a penny a day or a denarii a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Denarii a day, that's, that, that is 200 days wages then. That's over six months, it's seven months or uh, six and a half months anyway, uh, wages. We're going to spend 200 pennies to buy bread enough for all of these people? And Jesus says, well, go and see what we've got. That seems a simple enough statement, doesn't it? Go and see what we've got. Surely that's what we would do if, if uh, there was a, a group of people came in and uh, we wanted to give them something to eat, we would go and see what we have. That's a simple enough statement. But of course, when they come back, they come back and they say to them, well, how many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, five five loaves and two fishes it's in john chapter six that we read how they come by those five loaves and two fishes john chapter six then if you turn there to verse uh, seven john six and verse seven oh it's verse eight sorry verse eight and nine one of his disciples andrew simon peter's brother saith unto him there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? So this is what they bring to him. Five loaves, two small fishes. Nobody else had even thought about what they were going to eat or perhaps even considered that Jesus might speak to them for that long a time. And maybe they, they thought that they were just going out for a, a half an hour or so and they'd be home soon. It's amazing the abundance. We don't just see the abundance that the Lord Jesus makes of the food here, but the abundance that he has in the words that he speaks to them. That they are still there when the hour is gone. That he is continuing to proclaim and to preach. The the wisdom of Christ, the wisdom of God is limitless. And, you know, sometimes there was a preacher once, I can't remember uh, which preacher it was, who wondered if he went into the ministry what he would preach because he was a young man and if he lived till he was uh, 65 which is today's retirement age or 67 I think it's going up to uh, that what earth would he preach for all of those years for all of those services but he found of course as the time went on that he had hardly scratched the surface when he came uh, to that retirement age there is a, such an abundance of wisdom such an abundance of instruction in the word of God 
I wonder how much of it we have read. I was just looking in my study at my books and thinking, I have all these books. I don't know what's going to happen to them uh, when I die, uh, where they're going to go. And then I was thinking, there's so many of these books I haven't read. I've got them. They're sitting on the shelf, but I've never read them. Don't know what really is in them. And there could be something beneficial there. I should have been reading these books over these years. I should have been picking these up and devouring them uh, and using my spare time to read and read and read and how much beneficial, how, how beneficial that would have been. But how much do we actually read? How many of us, I wonder, in this congregation have read the scriptures through once? How many of us have read them through every year since we were first saved? I wonder how well we know the scriptures. I often would read a verse and uh, and uh, Pat would pick it up because she has learned it many years ago and, uh, and uh, she would t- just uh, recite it with me. Uh, how much of the scriptures do we know? How beneficial it is. There are amazing verses in the word of God. I was thinking just the other day, I was coming to church and uh, sometimes you have these uh, morose moments and you think about your life and you think about what you've done and uh, you can get down as you do that and uh, depress yourself quite easily and as I was thinking about different things this verse popped into my head I've told a few people this I don't know whether everybody knows this but a verse popped into my head which was the ringing of the nose bringeth forth blood and I thought that's a very strange verse (laughs) what a very strange verse so suddenly to think about and of course uh, it doesn't take much uh, consideration really to to draw the conclusion there that the more you go over your past, the more you'll find to depress you. And if you press it hard enough, uh, it will bring forth blood and make you miserable. And we're not to consider iniquity, but consider the grace of God, which abounds much more than sin. So the Lord Jesus preaches to them for all of this time, and uh, they have uh, nothing there to feed them with. The obvious procedure is to send them away. Uh, they would go away and buy themselves food that would cost the disciples nothing it would cost uh, the lord's uh, the savior nothing or the group nothing and also uh, they would all be fed but nobody thought about this and so now jesus says then well you 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 supply it and here we have this operational paradox then that jesus says to them you feed them and all they have is Five loaves or small uh, rolls, I suppose we were thinking of, because I don't suppose he had five big loaves of bread uh, with him uh, to eat. So probably small, small little loaves or even flatbread of some kind. Five of those and two small fishes. That was all that they had that they could give to all of these people. It's a, an amazing thing how the Lord is able to use that which is so small. It reminded me of that verse from Exodus chapter 4 and verse 2 when Moses stood before the Lord and the Lord said to him, what is that in thine hand? And Moses said, a rod. What is that in thine hand? But what great things were done with that rod? How that at that moment he was to cast it to the ground. It became a serpent. He did so before uh, Pharaoh and the uh, magicians uh, did likewise with theirs. But Moses' rod ate theirs, ate those Uh, whatever they were illusions which the magicians were able to bring before them 
with just a rod. It was the rod which he held up and, uh, and the, the Red Sea opened that all the people could go through. It was the rod which he held up in that battle against the Amalekites. And they won the battle while the rod was raised. What is that in thy hand? And what was it in their hand? Five loaves, two fishes. And Jesus said, cause the people to sit down in ranks. So here we have then not just the disciples' statistics, were, which was, well, this is not, this is not feasible. What we need to do is send them away, let them get their own food. But Jesus' logistics was that he had someone there who had brought food. And he didn't need a lot. All he needed was something which would be willingly given. And it was a lad, uh, a, a young fella who was there. And, and we might think that as he brings these things, that they have been provided that he might be able to eat that day. Um, we don't know how it came he had those things. Perhaps he had just been out for the day. Uh, perhaps he had seen the crowds going after Jesus and thought he'd go and see what was going on uh, at that time. But here he is, and the Lord Jesus is able with those things which are provided to, to feed all of these. So we see here then, first of all, the bringing of the gifts. Uh, this lad brings the five loaves and the two small fishes. And we hear that, well, what is that among so many? It reminded me of that psalm that we read at the beginning of the service, and that is Psalm 8. And in verse 2 it says, Out of the the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength. And here is the strength of the people. This is literally the strength of the people. The people are weak. The people have been there all of this time. We are informed that they were that they were weak and fainting. And here is the strength which is given by this young lad. And by the hand of the Saviour upon those things which were given. There is the blessing then of these gifts. It is not just the gifts. The gifts are one thing. But really what makes the difference here is the blessing of God. What do we have that we can give to the Lord? It's not just what we can give. It's not our intelligence. It's not our abilities. We might come with with many talents to, to use in the Lord's work. But it is not the talents. It is the Lord's blessing which makes the difference. You may have a lot. You may have very little. But it doesn't make any difference when God is in it. Remember that uh, verse of that hymn, Little is Much. When God is in it and when God's hand is upon that which we bring, he is able to do mighty things with it. You know, I I often think to myself that one of the smallest things that we have, almost infinitesimal, almost uh, uh, chiffonous, almost invisible, almost not existing at all, is prayer. And sometimes we think to ourselves, what difference is praying going to make? What difference will praying make? I mean, surely God's going to do it. He's going to do it. And yet prayer does make a difference. God takes the prayer of his people and he takes that prayer and he breaks it and blesses it and sends it forth. We wonder what this relationship is. And yet God has bidden us to pray and to come before him. It is so, so important that we pray. And yet... So many Christians hardly pray at all. 
unless there is some problem, some trouble, something that they need to, to sort out or to get out of, there is no time spent in the presence of the Lord at all. Or if there is, it is perhaps giving thanks for your dinner. Uh, it is a short prayer here or there. We need to pray. So there is the blessing of these gifts. And then there is the breaking of these gifts. It is not our self-confident, but simplicity that God uses. And God will sometimes break that which we have, and he will bring us to nothing. And so we have no confidence in ourselves, but all of our confidence is in God. And he takes these gifts which are given, and this lad has given them up and... This is all there is in all the crowd. He must be amazed that they're, they're even interested in, in his lunch. But here Jesus takes them and he breaks them. And the boy is uh, nothing um, shortchanged in what he receives. He receives everything that he has need of. And so does everybody else in that whole congregation of people. These thousands that have come out. And Jesus is able to use it for all of them. You know, sometimes we... Well, I'd say sometimes, always, I think, we need to be broken. Our gifts need to be broken. The Lord needs to be with us to shake our confidence in ourselves until we bow before his presence, till we call upon him for every move and everything that we say. And God will take those things and use them. And we see then the bestowing of these gifts upon all of the people. The Lord is able to supply the need of all his people by that which is given. We see finally then the child's altruistics in the fact that he offers these gifts. So the disciples were told to go out and to see what they have. How many loaves have ye, Jesus says, verse 38. Go and see. And when they knew, so they must have gone throughout the crowds and they says, anybody any food here? Do you have any food with you? Is there anything that you will, uh, are able to give, to donate, and let's gather up and let's have an offering and let's see how, how much we can gather? And so all of, through all of those crowds, as the twelve went out amongst them and, and were, were shouting for this question, nobody has anything that they can eat. Or at least uh, we might be able to say that nobody volunteered anything that they might have. But I don't think anybody had anything. I, I, I think they all went out on the spur of the moment. They saw Jesus going, it says. The people saw them departed, and many knew him and ran afoot thither out of all the cities. These things are, are covered in the scripture. Just a few words, words that we might so easily gloss over. But they come running afoot out of the cities. So they didn't go home first to make their lunch and then come out. But they saw him going, and they joined the group and they went with him. They weren't thinking about what they were going to eat later. They were thinking about what they're going to hear or more likely what they might see when Jesus uh, worked miracles amongst the people. And so here we find that nobody has anything to eat. Except for this young lad. And we think about the gifts which are offered. And uh, I, I would suggest to you, and this is only a suggestion, it doesn't say it in the scriptures, but I would suggest to you that this young lad's uh, meal was not something he had gathered up himself that morning, but his mum had said to him, you need to have some food. If you're going out, you're going to be out all day, you need to have some food. And so she makes him up the packed lunch. I can imagine that uh, being so, prepared by a mother. And we know that how important a mother is in a child's life. 
is the mother who so often is the one who thinks about all the uh, little things that that child needs. And we think about the importance of mothers within the kingdom of God in teaching their children the things of God, making sure they know them. And certainly we need to be praying for all mothers, mothers of their children. It's a strange thing that uh, children will almost always run to their mother. Even if dad's there, if they fall over and hurt themselves, they don't want dad, they want mum. And it's the mother who is so close to them. And here, perhaps this food has been prepared in that way, and yet the child is willing to give it up. Maybe the child has great faith. Maybe the child is expecting something here. We know that we, we speak sometimes of a childlike faith. And if that child has come out with this group and uh, perhaps he has said to someone, what, what, what's happening? What's going on? And he has come out and they say, well, we're going out because this man does miracles. And this child has come out and he, he wants to see miracles, as any child would. And he comes out and, uh, and there he is. And maybe he's expecting that those things that he has, that Jesus is going to do a miracle with them. And of course, the Lord Jesus does do a miracle with them. A child's faith is, is tremendous. They believe. And perhaps this child also believed. I wonder how much we believe. We become very jaded, don't we, as we get older? We become very hard. We've seen it all before. We've seen the fails. We've seen the falls. We've seen the promises that have been broken. We become very skeptical of anybody, anything that anybody says. We can become very skeptical of the scriptures also. And if we remember that man who said to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. We can recognize in ourselves the times when we don't really believe. We don't really believe what the scripture says. We don't really believe. We believe that it happened then, perhaps, but we don't believe it's going to happen now. What a lack of faith we have. The gifts that were offered were insufficient for this purpose. They had only been given for this child. Uh, it was a child's lunch. Uh, but nevertheless, it was offered. And the child was willing to give it. Maybe expecting that something amazing was going to happen with it. And we think also that these are basic ingredients. Very basic, in fact. The barley bread was the cheapest uh, which could be uh, had at that time. So this wasn't from a rich family, even though he had it. But uh, just a basic barley bread and the two small fishes. But what does Jesus say? What does God say? Malachi 3.10 says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Does that not apply here? Because here he brings this small portion and gives it to Jesus. And Jesus opens the very portals of heaven and feeds all of those people with the five loaves and the two fishes, which he breaks. You might wonder with the technical mind of today, where these things actually, how it actually happened. That Were they multiplying in the bowl? Uh, could you see into the bowl as they as they became more and more or were people just putting their hands in and taking what they wanted and it just seemed to be always there we we think about these technicalities in these days but we can say this 
that it was a miracle of God and the very windows of heaven were open. The modern skeptic wouldn't believe that such a thing could happen. He doesn't believe that this world could happen. He doesn't believe that God created the heavens and the earth. But he does believe something equally, and that is that it made itself. That intelligence just grew out of nothing. That things just appeared of themselves and coagulated into the universe in these days. He still has a faith, but it's not a faith in God, and that's all the devil's interested in. The uh, Satan, as uh, it, it is in the Old Testament. Satan is the opposer. That's really what Satan means, the opposer. And so he will give an opposite view to anything which the scripture says. A man would rather have that opposite view than have the view of the scripture. And yet believe something just as impossible. But here, of course, God who created all things is quite easy to create bread and fish that the people might be fed. And then we see finally the glory which is observed. The glory which is observed. In Exodus chapter 33, uh, if we just read these words for a moment, Exodus chapter 33 and verse 17, we see these words of Moses or of the Lord and Moses. Uh, The Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing. Uh, Moses wants wants God to be with him. He says, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, that is Moses said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, thou canst not see my face for there shall no man see me and live. Moses says, show me thy glory. And here we see the glory of the Lord in this miracle of turning these five loaves and two fishes into sufficient for the thousands that were gathered there. The glory of the Lord. Why do I say this is the glory of the Lord? In John chapter 2 and verse 11, we read this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee. That's the uh, turning the water into wine. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory. And his disciples believed on him, manifested forth his glory. When Jesus raised uh, Lazarus from the dead, he spoke there in John chapter 11, verse 4, to his disciples, and he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And Jesus says to uh, uh, um, Lazarus' sister, Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. So these are miracles. These are the miracles which manifest the glory of God. Moses cries out to God, show me thy glory. And God has said to him, because I know thee by name and thou hast found grace in my sight, I will show you my glory. And here the disciples are gathered together and the Lord Jesus knows them by name. 
and he shows them his glory. The question then which comes to us this morning is, does the Lord know us by name? Have we found grace in his sight? Are we willing to give up that which we have that the Lord might use it? Do we have faith to trust in the Lord? Will we seek his glory? I wonder how much we actually pray that we might see his glory. We need reviving in this day. And revival comes upon God's people. It doesn't come upon the world. Revival is the revival of God's people. It's when people who are the Lord's pray and believe and trust in him and cry out to him, Lord, show me thy glory. That is not the Shekinah glory. It is not some great light from the sky, but it is the miraculous salvation of souls, the multiplication of the church. Here we have five loaves and two fishes. We could say, well, here we have a congregation of people. And we say, well, but we are too few. What is that among so many? But the Lord is able to take us in this church today and he is able to multiply exponentially to as great as he likes and we need to be praying lord show me thy glory the lord showed his glory that day we need to see the glory of the lord again in our day we're in great darkness great hardness of heart the people are hungry and the church says well send them away that they might be able to get themselves food and lodging. Jesus says, you feed them. You feed them. What with, Lord? What do we have? Well, what you've got, give it to me. And then sit them down in ranks. Let's make that our prayer. That the Lord would work a mighty work in these days. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank thee for thy word. We pray that thou was blessed to our hearts. And Lord, that thou was make us men and women of prayer, boys and girls of prayer also. And Lord, that thou was work a work in our day, that we might see the manifested glory of God in the miracle of salvation, and that thou was draw out the people from the darkness into the glorious light of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.